edition of the Mendel and the Mike podcast. This is brought to you by the Berkshire Eagle. And it's it's worth saying this week, the mic is muted. Michael Wash is not with us, but I have one of the most knowledgeable people in Berkshire County when it comes to sports and, and probably in general. And that is Howard Herman. Howard, how you doing today? I'm, I'm about, about time I got on with it. <laughs> yeah, 100% right. It's been far too uh, long and I know what he's to blame except for myself. But here we are, Howard. I've gotten a couple questions as someone who's covered, uh, you know, a couple basketball games here and there every week about, you know, why why are teams doing this? Why is this happening? Why are these teams playing and these teams aren't? So I thought, uh, you know, you've been on top of this since the very beginning. So I thought having you on to kind of give us the blueprint of how everything kind of came down, would it would be an ideal way to to tackle this podcast. So to kind of start this. Uh, Often and, and to get us going, Howard, why was it, you know, one of the big questions I get, why was it Hoosick Valley, Wakona, and Mount Everett, Monument Mountain, and Mount Greylock, the teams that were able to play first when everyone else was kind of still just uh, waiting to see what happened in terms of the COVID-19 pandemic numbers? Before we do that, I just want, I, I saw something on one of my social medias today, and I just wanted to respond in case somebody's paying attention. Somebody said, how come they can't play hockey up here? Mm-hmm. Um and the reason they can't, and there are multiple reasons they can't play hockey up here. One is that two of the three rinks that are used um, are not able to be used mm-hmm. uh, because I don't believe the rink in North Adams is open. And I know that Mount Everett cannot play hockey because Berkshire Schools rink is closed to everyone except their own students. Mm-hmm. And as I know, the boys club just in fact opened up. So that is why that why that was going on. I just thought I'd let some people who were curious about that know that. But uh, as far as what happened with basketball, some of it had to do with where, it all really has to do with where all schools are mm-hmm. as far as the COVID-19 precautions and the level of you know infection in their respective communities. And as far as I, you know, and, and it was pretty low in, in Sheffield, in the Sheffield area and in Great Barrington and not so bad in Dalton. And that's why you saw those schools step up first that they were able to, mm-hmm. um, you know, Lennox has chosen not to participate even though I think by now they can, because Lennox was a, was a red community for, for a while mm-hmm. due to factors outside of the community, but in Lenox and Pittsfield had been read and that's why it took them a while. So that's pretty much, you know, that's the real short version of why those schools went first. And with that too, what's it been like going to the games? You know, I, like I said before, I've been to a few and you know, it's, it's the masks, it's the hand sanitizing. What's been, has it felt when you've been to games, has it felt relatively like uh, high school basketball in general? It has, it has. Um, the, you know, we were used to seeing what we see in person by watching college games and NBA games on television. Mm-hmm. So when you go, when you go into Monument Mountain, where I was last Friday night, you know, they've got chairs pretty separated for all the athletes. Uh, they have a table for the, uh, for the scoreboard operator. They have a different table for the shot clock operator. They have a different table for the scorebook guy. Um, and it's all stuff we have kind of seen. 
So it didn't feel that that odd. Watching the game, I don't feel a whole lot different. Mm-hmm. The only part of the game that the only thing I don't like that is part of the adjustments in basketball in Massachusetts are the lack of people on the free throw line at free throws mm-hmm. because as I as you know and as I'm I'm sure many people who watch basketball know one of the great momentum changes is a team picking up an offensive rebound <laughs> on a missed free throw scoring on a putback one of the first great, and one one of the great offense one of the great momentum swings in in high school basketball you don't have that because you have two defensive guys on the line and and the shooter and that makes it a lot harder for the shooter to get his own his or her own rebound and score i was i was on the phone with somebody the other day talking about some basketball stuff and it dawned on me that there's a temporary rule that maybe ought to be permanent I, you know, I'm watching, you know, I watch the games and the opening tip is, doesn't exist in high school basketball. Mm-hmm. Do we need the opening foot. tip off? You're do right. We I... need, do we really need it? It's it, you know, this isn't the NBA where you have multiple jump balls. Mm-hmm. You have, you have, you have the arrow that after the, after the opening game, after the opening tip of the game, there's no more tips. That's a good point. I mean, I think of Ron Wojcik, uh, his years at Hoosick Valley, he'd have Shaley Levesque, uh, his point guard, doing the tip, uh, kind of in the sense of if they don't get the tip, that's fine, but they'd rather be ready in defense and have her right front and center at the key. So that, that's an excellent point where you wonder if that's really something that's needed. I kind of like the the honorable uh, honorary fo- coin flip they got going on there. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you, you think about it, and, you know, and, and we all like the opening tip, mm-hmm. but if you're only doing one tip off in a game, does it matter all that much? Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe that's something that, you know, that high school basketball will look at and say, Hey, maybe next, you know, maybe we'll down the road, maybe we can talk about, you know, getting rid of the, getting rid of the opening tip, but otherwise the game, you know, it gets, it takes a little bit getting used to watching players wear masks. Mm-hmm. Although for the players, I can remember back, when they had to wear mouth guards and coaches hated them because they couldn't talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you can at least talk to each other, you know, through a mask. It's harder to hear those electronic whistles mm-hmm. that the ref, that the officials use, but you get, you get used to that and you kind of get used to everything, you know, in this, at least, you know, at least they're playing and, and a bunch of the game, you know, and, and several of the games have been competitive. Mm-hmm. So, you know, thank thank heavens for that. To kind of circle back, so the way the free throws are working right now, um, if someone's on the line for two free throws, the first one, it's it, nobody's nobody's inside the box. Nobody's waiting for a rebound. And then once they're go, attempting their second free throw, two defenders come in, and it's just the person shooting the ball who really has a chance to get the offensive rebound uh, well for the offense. And, Howard, something that I kind of picked up on, and I don't know if you've seen it too, but I, I feel like with uh, the box not being full like that, I've seen more lane violations with the, the shooter noticing their balls not going in and, and they feel they got to kind of jump up in there and get, get the rebound and they're creating those lane violations and not even getting that opportunity. Is that something you've kind of seen or is it? it? It is something I have not seen and I will credit it more to 
the games I have seen a fair amount, you know, teams making more free throws than missing free throws. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a good point. But I can, I can easily see that if you know that, you know, if the ball goes off your hand and you know, it's not what it's supposed to be uh, that, you know, you're going to get, you're going to try to get in there early and, you know, and get the, and get one of those free throws back. And it didn't work. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we have, Wakona's played eight games, the Wakona boys, the Wakona girls uh, is right around there. Uh, every team's played between five and eight games somewhere in that range. Howard, and this, next week, starting Monday, uh, we have two teams joining the fold, and that's Lee and Drury. Uh, have they already been practicing? Have you gotten a chance to talk to anyone with either of those programs and see uh, what's kind of going to unravel in the next couple of weeks? Haven't talked to anyone up there. I do know that this past Tuesday and Wednesday, as we record this on Thursday, uh, Drury had had Zoom meetings on Tuesday night with its boys basketball players and on Wednesday night with its girls basketball players. Um, This being a vacation week, I can't, I don't know for sure whether they are practicing, Mm -hmm. but um, they will get, you know, they, they jump in with both feet next week as coach, as I know, even the coach, even the teams that have been playing, haven't practiced all that much. Absolutely. I can remember last Friday night, I was covering the Monument Wakona doubleheader and Randy and Monument boys coach, Randy Cole said to me, you know, we've only been practicing for like a week. Yeah. You know, so, you know, we're still learning what we, what, you know, what we got, what we've got to do. And I suspect that that's the case with everybody that there hasn't been mm-hmm. like, you know, two, you know, a, a real hard two weeks of practice anywhere. Right, right. With that too, I, I think you, you mentioned every team being in, in the same boat. It, it's been interesting, especially when you look at a team like the Wakona boys who played had to play four straight to just be thrown in the fire. So while it's been a very unique season, I think every athlete's going to be, uh, they won't even second guess it to say that they're just happy to be out there. And then finally, Pittsfield and Taconic are going to be the last teams to, uh, jump into the basketball season and that's March 1st. So, so if they, can they start practicing before March 1st or is that when they can start rolling? They have to start on March 1st. The way, the way I understand the rules coming out of the Pittsfield public schools, there's no activity this week because it is the vacation week. Mm-hmm. And then when vacation week is over, they want f- five days to determine whether or not there's been any sort of an outbreak. Uh, and then they, and then after those five days are over, they would start practicing. That is why the March 1st date, you know, stands for them because next week they'll come back, you know, they'll wait. And then the following week they will jump in and go until March 19th. So that means they might, you know, and I have been, and I have heard from other people involved that some of the schools that are playing are willing to are, are going to play longer. Oh, really? So right. it's entirely possible that you're just not going to have between March 1st and March 19th, you know, Pittsfield Taconic, you know, for you know every night for <laughs> every night for three weeks. Um, with, although with that, that wouldn't be terrible. You know, you're 100 right, and, and I I've heard something similar where where the teams are going to stay for at least a little while. Uh, every team might not go to that March 19th is, is what I heard, but they're at least going to stay a little longer to at least get to play the Drury's, the Lees, the the Pittsium Taconics at least once. Uh, and yeah. some of the five teams just kind of scrolling back and forth with each other. 
and you know and whatever you can get done you get done right. and you know and this is it's been an it's been an odd year obviously um so play what you can play if you can play a little longer that's fine um because now we're looking at march 22 as the start of fall two which is football and boys soccer mm-hmm. and also cross country and golf if you didn't play those sports in the fall is volleyball in that too or volleyball is also in that because volleyball and football in the fall were deemed high risk activities right right so they so that you were not able to play volleyball and football in the fall um in soccer you you were able to play but you had the option to have any of the fall sports to move them to fall too Mm -hmm. and i believe i have read elsewhere that there are a couple uh that there are several pioneer valley teams that are going to play basketball in fall too oh that's interesting Looking, looking at the uh, fall two season, you know, you mentioned March 18th is the start. How, how many weeks of practice do you think if that's when, you know, the, the athletes can, you know, start putting on the pads or whatever it may be. Uh, how, how many weeks from then till, till games could possibly begin? I'm not positive as I'm not positive what, you know, what the rules are as far as that. And I suspect, you know, and I can go look it up at some point and I'm sure we will. And I think we've written about it and the MIA has talked about it. Um, I imagine it's a week or two, right. uh, you know, of practicing. And of course, now that they are able to, now that football teams are able to at least have some sort of indoor practice during, you know, leading up to games in fall two, depending upon how long it takes, you know, and, and some of fall two is going to be very weather dependent. Absolutely. And I'm not just talking about the frozen fields, you know, cause fields are going to be cold. And I don't know what, you know, whether or not they are able to play at Berkshire Community College on the turf field because BCC as an institution does not have people on campus. Right. So I don't know how that's going to, how that's going to change things. Um, But at least, you know, uh, Brian Jasuski at Pittsfield, for example, can bring like, you know, 20 like 15 or 20 of his guys into the gym Mm -hmm. and they can do some work right you know they aren't gonna you know they can't tackle they can't you know i don't think they can do i don't think they can you know game plan but they can do some skills things Mm -hmm. and do conditioning you know in small cohorts it seems like doing stuff like that just is is basically waiting at the starting line till you know you can tackle and then games will start you know shortly after that uh howard the, the one of the other things i really want to talk about is when pittsfield and taconic join basketball uh they're gonna be playing at the boys and girls club and i got the opportunity last season to cover uh that that doubleheader between taconic and pittsfield that seemed to happen uh once a year uh what was your thoughts what was your reaction when you heard that basketball uh, on a little bit of a consistent basis was going to be at the boys and girls club for a little bit well, I knew I had heard that they had been talking about it, whether or not it was going to happen was going to depend directly on whether or not Pittsfield and Taconic were going to participate. Mm-hmm. And once they decided to participate, um, I was, you know, I, I was talking to one of the coaches um, for a story and he mentioned that. And so without using him as a, as you know, 
the expert, I went and talked, I talked to Joe McGovern, the director of the boys club, and he said, you know, they're doing that. After all, the, I would venture a guess to say 80, you know, 70 to 80% of the kids who are on the four city basketball program, high school basketball teams, if they didn't play some at the boys club, they grew up in the boys club. Absolutely. And, and when and back when St. Joe was was a you know was a legitimate basketball powerhouse, um, there was nothing like going to a boys a game of the boys club on a Friday night. Mm-hmm. You know, usually you know, and that was in the older days before they renovated and put those new bleachers in, because mm-hmm. the old bleachers they had went up like about five or six rows higher. I think so I remember you, that. so you really had a lot. You could really pack a lot of people into that gym on a Friday night. When, when did they upgrade? I mean, I, I'm trying to think. I mean, I, I probably was in there around the year 2000. So it's probably it, it's at least a decade or so ago mm-hmm. that they that I think they put those new bleachers in. But I don't remember, you know, the exact date, you know, escapes me. Howard, it, it's been a blast to have you here. And I think the last thing um, I want to talk about, at least, is uh, looking in the crystal ball has certainly been an issue this last year. But when you look at that fall two going into spring sport, um, time frame. What? How is that going to develop? How's that really going to come into play? Because I think back to last year, and despite there being no baseball and softball season, they were eventually to play later in the summer. So I wonder, or I you know, even assuming, which probably isn't the best thing to do, that there's going to be some sort of outdoor baseball, softball type of season on the horizon after fall too. As as uh, according to the pit, the release from Pittsfield when they announced their schedules, um, spring sports will go April 26th until June 30th. Um, the MIAA has granted schools permission to play through that first weekend in July. Mm-hmm. I think it's through July 3rd and July 4th, I believe is a Sunday this year. Um, so you can play to there. The, the, there's no, been no determination whether there will be tournaments mm-hmm. in the spring. There are no, there are no MIAA sanctioned tournaments in winter or fall too. Mm-hmm. So there is no trip to Gillette Stadium at the end of the rainbow for the Wakona football team or the Taconic football team or the Monument football team. All of that stuff, all of that is off. Spring, we don't know yet. They haven't, they haven't made any determination, but they have a framework in place to try to, they want to try to do something because those are the kids who lost everything last year and they want to right. try to make it as complete as as they can for that i think i've said this to other people i've written this in the past i think what the, i think the mia has done a tremendous job in putting together a framework so these kids can play in the fall in the winter in fall too and in spring as i have said to other people just because there's a framework there does not mean that they can play right. um you know for all we know you know that the infection rate goes down dramatically and then we can play then we can have a, a relaxing spring season it's also within the realm of possibility if the infection rate goes up and nobody plays mm-hmm. that's what we all, that's what we all have to wait on so everybody needs to wear their masks social distance and you know stay you know be safe be smart and maybe 
maybe by you know June 30th we'll be having state championship games you know at you know at Polar Park in Worcester that that would there's nothing I'd want to do more on a, on a nice sunny day um I, I know I said the last one was the last question I had but uh let, let's say the numbers stay relatively um trending in the right direction I saw in one of your stories you mentioned that fall two if there's a football season potentially the two best teams uh playing in a title game some sort of the, the king of Berkshire County if you will uh can you expand on that a little bit because I was, I was really interested when you said that I don't think I, nothing's decided on this mm-hmm. but why not I mean or if exactly. everybody's going to play everybody else and you have the ex, and maybe you have the extra week let us say you know Monument and Monument and Lee end up having the two best records why not mm-hmm. why not play play for some sort you know play to say you know to say who's the best if there's if there is time and if it's not a problem, I don't know if it's going to happen because there's no because nobody is as far as I know um, unleashed a schedule yet as to who's going to play when and mm-hmm. how these games are going to be played. So I don't, you know, so it's entirely possible that we can't do that. But right. If we can do that, why not? Even basketball, I'd like the two best teams maybe finish with a three-game series or something. Because the one thing you know I hear is you know we wish there was a tournament, so adding that little bit of, uh, you know, uh, ego boost, the competitive uh, advantage there, and in, in a championship game would be a lot of fun. Howard, I, I think that's really all I had for you. I mean, if, if you're always looking for more Howard, you can always find him all over the sports section in the Berkshire Eagle. You can find him on Twitter at Howard Herman H O W A R D. H-E-R-M-A-N. I'll be sure to put that in the bio as well. Howard, before we rush out of here, is there anything else you'd like to add? Anything else you'd like to jump into? I can't think of anything else at the moment. Um, I was just, I know you as, as an NFL guy must have been ecstatic to see that Carson Wentz got traded in Indianapolis today. That is very interesting. You know, I could beat the dead horse talking about uh, uh, him going with Frank Wright, the guy who uh, I think he had 56 or some crazy amount of touchdowns with him together. I was more looking at the deal that it was, I think, I believe a third round pick and a second that become a first. That makes me feel a little better about what Deshaun Watson might be worth. I know, I know Wentz and Watson are on completely different ends of the spectrum, but you know, I remember everyone panicking after the Matthew Stafford deal that Watson's going to cost, you know, an entire franchise. But I think one of those deals is pot could, I guess, depending on what Wentz does could turn into a first round pick. Yes, it's 75% of all, uh, snaps next season he has to play. Yeah, I think so, that's the case. so expect that to be a first, ex, unless, he gets, unless he gets blown up, mm-hmm. expect that to be a first round. I would expect that to be a first round pick. And, Jacoby Brissett. And I do not, and I, and, and, <laughs> do, and I don't understand at all why your team that you're wearing that jacket for wants to trade, you know, it's, it's quarterback of the future. To get a better quarterback of the future. Huh? <laughs> to get that better quarterback of the future. I, I certainly understand both sides of this. And the one thing that, that is very appealing about Watson is you, you combine Watson with your head coach, Brian Flores, who I think we could make a debate. He is a fringe top five uh, head coach. And, and the best way to get to a Super Bowl, Mr. Steelers fan, is to have a great coach and a great quarterback. That's the it is foundation. Absolutely. It is. And, but, uh, what I, but I don't see, you know, I don't see – Miami having having the capital you know unless you're unless you're going to do what Minnesota did back you know 20 years ago and trade your entire draft class for Herschel Walker that one that one was that is still down you almost you almost have to do that in my opinion because I think Deshaun Watts you know 
it's like when I was reading, oh, you know, Deshaun Watson to the Patriots, you know, something like that. I said, yeah, fine, but um, do they, they don't have they don't have the draft capital, you know, to really, you know, because they they, you know, they they have a lot of picks, but they're dra- but the Patriots are drafting like fifteen, right? So they're drafting in the middle of the round, so you're not going to get value for the player. You, the, you will get you will get numbers, but you may not get value. The the hope I have is that when Houston looks at that uh, third pick overall, I mean they they have nothing right now in terms of, of draft capital, in terms of young up and coming players, because the Dolphins stole those picks from. Uh, my logic is, you know, you look at that third overall pick, you look at Tua, uh, maybe the Dolphins' second first round pick this year and another one next year, and I hope that would be kind of enough to convince Houston to get rolling in another direction. You've got your young rookie quarterback in Tua. You could build around. You could take him and then Devonta Smith. I mean, that's kind of what I want the Dolphins to do. Uh, but if that happened and, and Watson was the quarterback and he had to build up guys like uh, Mike Gesicki, uh, Devontae Parker to be more consistent, uh, to uh, so be it. I think that would be certainly worth it to have a top five quarterback. The problems the Dolphins have is they're not good enough mm-hmm. to make this deal because they still have a lot of holes. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, they're not, they're not Buffalo. Right. right. Uh, Buffalo is easily the class of the division. And, and I, you know, and Frank, and if the Patriots get anybody to play quarterback other than Cam Newton, they're second. Think because so? I think the page, I think the Patriots are look for for the way Cam Newton played last year, for the Patriots to be almost 500, pretty major accomplishment. Uh, Hightower's back next year. Mm-hmm. You know he you know he he bailed because of COVID. Um, I think their defense is young, talented, and aggressive, and. They should be able to, if they sign Fitzpatrick, for example, find a stud wide receiver in the first round. Like Nikhil you know, Harry. Yeah. Yeah. Or <laughs> no, a legitimate stud. You know, you know yeah. somebody just needs to tell Bill, you know, let somebody else pick the receivers because Bill's not been good at picking, picking wide receivers, much like uh, Kevin Colbert in Pittsburgh has not been good at drafting defensive backs. Been much better, been much better at trading defensive backs. Uh, That's certainly true. Yeah, you know, and and as much, you know, and I, and I I would have made the, I would have made the Minka Fitzpatrick trade, you know, 10 times out of 10. He is arguably the best safety in the NFL right now. I mean, Derwin James, there's a couple up there with it. No, but you're you're right. He fits what Pittsburgh was trying to do. Uh, uh, My my counter argument, and then we'll get out of here, uh, about the Dolphins is it's a young team. You have uh, two of the best defensive backs in the league in Xavier Howard, who added, what, double-digit interception year. Byron Jones is a relatively lockdown guy. He's going to get beat sometimes, but he's very, very consistent. Um, Up front, you have someone like Shaq Lawson, someone like Emmanuel Agba, two guys who can get you five to seven sacks, and they just need one linebacker who can cover. On the offensive side of the ball, obviously, uh, it comes to the offensive line. They drafted three guys last year who need to take a next step at, at right guard, uh, left tackle, and right tackle. If that can happen and, and you put Watson in there, I, I think we could do a two-hour pod about going back and forth about where that gap is because I, I think the Dolphins will be pretty close. 
Uh, but but like I said, we'll save that for more of a, a quiet week we have in the future. Howard, th thank you so much for joining me. This was a lot of fun. Uh, be sure to hit that subscribe button so you know when another episode of the Mendel and the Mike podcast is coming out. And more importantly, Howard, I'm going to make sure you are on the show more often because this has been a blast. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, any 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 time. Um... I will, I will even clean out the bookshelves and put some more, <laughs> put some more sports memorabilia up there just to make me, just to make it look more like one of those guys on ESPN. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Hey, like I said, thanks Howard and everyone listeners. Thank you so much for listening. And like I said, have a wonderful day.